know what really makes us mad? Is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah. Talk about punk! What's up, posers? Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I am your co-host, Justin Hensley. And I am your other co-host, Dylan Hensley. And today we are talking with Nicholas Pentabona and Morgan Burns of the band Bedtime Magic. They are the band Bedtime Magic. Really good band out of Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, well, so check them out. (laughs) Yeah, they put out a record called Pillow Talk uh, in 2019, and it was put out on Nefarious Industries Records. Uh, we talk about it a little bit on there, and then they have they have quite a few other things on Bandcamp as well. And they are coming. They kind of came to us through our friend Paul. So Paul toured Johnson Records and Teeth Like Swords Printing and Sidorak. He's a man of many different avenues. But uh, what are we talking about today, Dylan? So we are talking about the 1998, not 1997 album, uh, <laughs> "Smile When You Hate" by Non Compos Mentis. Uh, there's we get mentioned it briefly but there's a little discrepancy about the release of year of that record and then generally all things hardcore metalcore mathcore whatever of 1998 which is kind of a peak year for that sound so a lot to unpack and digest i don't feel like we talked about the actual album enough but (laughs) i still think it was a lot of fun to listen to so yeah it's a fun conversation I mean, this show has evolved into just like a hangout. So <laughs> if this isn't your kind of show, and uh, sorry, <laughs> don't leave us a bad review. It's just dudes giggling for two hours. Yeah, well, about we... bands no one's ever heard of. <laughs> As our good, they'll say, our... they'll say some ba- some guy's name who's in a band, and everybody laughs. What's so <laughs> funny about it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you can follow us on all, all forms of social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at PunkLottoPod. We have an email. It's PunkLottoPod, gmail.com. I'm doing like the uh, house's restaurant thing at the end. where the, You can follow us all there. Yeah, You know what to do. It's all in the show notes. All the good stuff's there. But uh, yeah, this is coming out the oh, day shit. after Election Day. Right, so. it is. <laughs> <laughs> we just realized this right now as we're <laughs> getting ready to wrap so, this up. Uh, good. Um, yay. Um, we need to record two different versions of this, I guess, in case of good news, (laughs) in case the results, uh, were not good. We might just have to record like an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So either hooray or good night and good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll plug something else in here in case, uh, these things don't go well. (laughs) Anyway. Try and enjoy this episode if things went bad. Uh, if things went bad, we may delay this episode a week. <laughs> yeah.
good tent. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. We should probably like do something where it's like you two differentiate your voices for like the <laughs> listener, just so they're not like I don't know which one's which. But <laughs> sure. But we can do that in a little bit. I, I'm the really sexy one, right? <laughs> right. That's how that works, right? Right. I'm the, I I have the really nice voice in the band. <laughs> I'm being facetious, probably. Who's? Do you both sing in the band, or is it? We do. Yeah, that's what I thought. If you want to call it that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see it. The reason I do most of the stuff online and whatnot is because when we're performing, he plays drums, keyboard with his foot, sings, and has to make all the jokes. And I'm like, all right, well, I should do something in the band. So I do a lot of social media stuff. <laughs> Hell, even just setting up drums for a show is like enough to. Dude, it's nuts. <laughs> And then when I run out of money, he always fronts me money. So it's like, basically, he is the band, and I'm like, I'm his cheerleader. So I'm like, go Morgan! Yeah, but, you know, you you know, you know, book all the shows and, and yeah. write the vast majority of the music. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I guess we could split it. Yeah. Say 50-50. Yeah, 40-60. That works. Uh, that's kind of like how our, uh, we do this show. <laughs> so which I'm one is Dylan? Is he me like or is he Morgan? 70-30. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Uh, um, Justin does uh, most of the heavy lifting. Yeah, oh. I do like the booking, the scheduling, the uh, uh, the editing, the just about everything. Yeah, Dylan just kind of shows up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I usually don't how, even know what we're talking about just until like the day before. So, so how do you guys decide like what, what like how does the lotto work like in terms of like how do you guys decide what record or like what year you're going to talk about? Like, is there a formula or is it just like do you like sort of throw a dart at a dartboard so like early on uh it was very much a uh this website rate your music has like these charts that you could break down by year and like genre and like you can get real like minuscule with some of that stuff so it basically turned into it started as we put a number generator for the year and then we do a number generator for an album and an ep and then like oh, it's boy. all random except for like we would get like these records from bands that like no one had heard of, and no one was going to download the episode yeah. to hear us listen. We to would us randomly talk. draw like Slovenian grindcore records that you can't find anywhere. Yeah, or, and <laughs> it's like, well, for Slov grind. What's, what's <laughs> on Slov the page <laughs> that that is at least a recognizable name to us? Yeah. And what's one of the ones that you found that was just total garbage? You were like, I can't, we can't talk about this. This isn't going to work. We would like sample it to make sure it was yeah. like at all something that we could talk about. Um, but then even, we would, even then, we didn't filter out a couple of really rough ones. Yeah, like we would get these like real rough early demos from bands that were like, I, it's not fair to judge it as like this is a finished product because very much it was just a tape recorder. Like, yeah, <laughs> right, right. We did like some. Uh, I think what's the we did worst? the first darkest hour demo, and that one was like none of these songs are good. <laughs> yeah. they, their demo was in. Oh wait, no, I was thinking ninety eight because we're talking about ninety eight today. I was about to go. Wait a minute, that can't be right. But... No, they had records out. <laughs> yeah, they had records out. Yeah, right. Yeah, right around that time. So yeah, Supreme, so secure or whatever it was like ninety nine or two thousand, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think like yeah. Mark of Judas was like ninety seven. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So then it kind of evolved from we started like getting it used to just be the two of us. And so then it evolved to us having guests on and we would like have like a list of like pre-selected things already for people to talk about. Yeah. And like people would then be like, 
uh, do you have anything else? Like something better? <laughs> <laughs> we we would have yeah, we'd have selections for like at least every decade, like something from the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, two thousand tens. And we would send people that list and then they're like, I don't know any of these. <laughs> We're like, Well, okay. <laughs> Maybe we give you a year that you we feel qualified to talk about and then you find <laughs> something that you want to talk about. So then eventually we were just like, okay, let's just give people a year and let them pick what they want to talk about. And the way we pick the year too is even like, what era are you most familiar with or would you yeah. like to talk about a record from? Sure. So we've done a lot of 90s recently just because like everybody has been in their 20s. So like everybody wants to talk about 90s records. People in their 30s will talk about 80s records, but yeah. But I'm in my 40s. So <laughs> well, you count as two 20-year-olds now. So. Yeah. So then we get some yeah, people I, like, just two 20-year-olds standing on familiar with I, I, I'm probably most familiar with like this era of like punk rock or whatever, you know, like because I, I turned 21 in, in 1998. So, Are like, you kidding me? I never did the math on that. You're right, though, because you're yeah. like three or four years older than me. Yeah. Huh. That was so, a big year for you. Nicholas, it did was, you pick, it was did you pick this record without asking Morgan? <laughs> I, I would say most things. <laughs> well, he knows the record, and we're both very familiar with the label. And it was like, where do we go? Because, for instance, for me, I noticed when Forever Comes Crashing came out that year, I could spend this entire podcast talking about that. But that's, I feel, well-trodden territory. This is a record that's actually interesting. I mean, not to say that other one isn't, but this is, like, new for a lot of people, you know? Yeah, it was very new for us. We can talk about night since you already brought talking about the year. We can talk about some other records that came out that year. Like, we've never done a Converge record, so if you had to pick that one for the show, it would have been new for the show. But at oh. the same time, like, it is a very well-known record, so it's not like... It's extremely well-known, and then when, um, what was the Epitaph re-released it? It had a broader audience, so it became more of, like, a mainstream thing, because anybody could buy it at their local Sam Goody. Is Sam Goody still around? I don't even... Probably not. No. But, you know, <laughs> the place. The place they buy things. Best Buy. So. Yeah. yeah. Walmart. Best Buy CDs anymore. <laughs> I bought... My first Converge CD at a Best Buy. Did you? Was No Heroes. Ooh. Probably the month it came out or shortly after. I, I 100% bought one Forever Comes Crashing because it was a dead baby on the cover. That was exactly what I, why I bought it. I didn't know the <laughs> band or anything. I was like, dead baby, it's going to be good. <laughs> I, I definitely played a show with Converge in 1998. Did so. you? Yeah. With Coleman? Was it no, one of those? Coleman was done at that point. 
I played in this band called I Quit for for a while, and a a bunch of the guys that were in that band they used to do this place in Worcester, uh, Worcester, Mass, uh, called the Space. Uh, that had like it was like an all ages all ages place um, that you know it, it, like they, it was like volunteer run or whatever, and those guys were like sort of some of the main folks, and so we ended up playing there a lot because they booked you know most of the shows there, and and uh, what was it? it was like a maybe a punk rock prom or something like that that year. We definitely we we played with Converge there. Converge, you know, they're sort of from fairly close by, so they played there a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah, I, I knew all those guys back then. I was, I was gonna say, is it was it one of those shows where you see the flyer today and you're just like, holy shit, all of these bands were on the same show. Oh, <laughs> like I yeah. just found one that says Shihalud, Floor Punch, Game Face, Converge, Damnation, AD, One King Down, In My Eyes, Saves the Day, like. Those were all the time. Show. Yeah, it was like, and you'd be like, oh, this lineup again? Like, I saw Bane like 30 times. I was so sick of him. Right, right. Like, like honestly, like, uh, my memories of those shows would be like, after the third or fourth band being like, oh, man, I'm so bored. Like, <laughs> it was a good idea to put like eight bands on a show. Like, I just, like, I just want to play and go home, you know? Yeah, kind of like that. You know, I saw the space reversal of man, which I just saw revolution summer came out in 98. So I guess that would have been on my top 10 things to talk about too. Yeah. I, I was probably at that show then. Oh really? We just didn't know each other. Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, like you were, a li- you were like a little guy, you were a teenager and I, I was like, you know, oh, I was in my twenties. I didn't have facial hair until like, I was in my like early to like thirties. Like till I was thirty two, so I think I was pretty much a little man until. <laughs> I, I I still can barely grow any facial hair, and I'm in my forties. So like, yeah, Justin, you got beautiful facial hair, dude. I've had this since I was like fourteen. No, you haven't. Really? <laughs> he got he got all the beard genes because yeah. this is this is like the best I can do. Like if yeah. I grow this any longer, it's like it's really sad looking. It's just like <laughs> it's longer. But you can see straight through it. Like, you can just see the skin <laughs> under it. Yeah. yeah. I look like, like a 14-year-old boy who's, like, really trying hard to, to grow out my, my, you know, like, yeah. it's, like, patchy. You know, there's, like, big empty cool. spots. And, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought there would be a point in my life where I would, like, have all my hair and not have any zits and, like, maybe be able to grow a beard, like, all at the same time. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> totally did not work out that way. Oh well, yeah, I'm definitely losing on that that battle up top there. <laughs> I'm Thirty and I'm wearing a hat inside. <laughs> yeah, let's get into my body dysmorphia on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's do this. So, I guess for the sh- uh, for the uh, for the listeners' sake, you're you're from Boston, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Morgan's kind of been all over, but Boston's where you've really been for, like, most of your life, right? Yeah, I've been here, like, 26 years, so, yeah. like, yeah. And as a band, that we're from Boston, like, we practice yeah. in Boston. Yeah. I'm trying to think, we, back when we used to book shows, was Matahari from Boston, or were they from outside? They were from right outside, and if you take my knuckle, oh, wait, my knuckles do say Matahari. 
so yeah, it says Mata Hari on my knuckles. <laughs> Do you, so you know them? <laughs> uh, I didn't get it because of them, but people brought it to my attention after I got this tattoo. They were yeah. like, oh, is that for Mata Hari? I'm like, no, it's for Mata Hari. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we booked them once or twice. Once, I think. Once. Yeah, they played the coffee shop. Yeah. Where, where are you guys at? I am in Hickory, North Carolina, which is about an hour north of Charlotte. Oh, all right. And I, I grew up, obviously, I'm his brother. I grew up there as well, but I do live in Phoenix now. So. Oh, all right. All right. Why'd you move to Phoenix? Just because. Okay. It's a good it reason was... to go to a place that's 120 degrees in the summer. Yeah. We're <laughs> like, you know what? We've been to the desert in the summer, and it was super hot. Let's go back there and just experience that on a daily basis <laughs> um it's great right now though oh it's actually it's actually been in on the cooler side which is especially nice what is that for you i mean it's been like in the 60s oh wow nice. been in like i mean like hitting here. 70 in the afternoon but yeah this is the south it's humid over here oh. yeah the, the carolinas are like always humid right yeah pretty much yeah. it's like even in the winter when it's cold it still feels damp yeah <laughs> I played a show down there on like New Year's Eve or something. And actually in South Carolina, it was Columbia. I think South Carolina, that's a place, right? Yeah. And I, I remember it was just really humid, but cold and I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> it's so funny. We get on weather all the time on this show yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It like, I guess cause Dylan's in Phoenix. And so it always like yeah. comes up. <laughs> it, yeah. Lot of weather check in. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> it were so very different places. I guess it's worth, Bring give up. you the uh, give you the traffic update um, yeah. next. <laughs> I was looking back at the bedtime magic band camp, and I saw as far back as 2014 on there. Is that when you guys formed, or did you start even earlier than that? I think it was just uh, before that because I remember I was like, we should record something because we have a bunch of songs now. It was like, yeah, it so, yeah, would have been it would have been either like ended. 2013 into like right it would have been like the fall of 2013 or something right yeah i think it was the fall or winter of 2013 somewhere in that range yeah but yeah i mean get set up? How, how did we guys how did we get started yeah. yeah yeah uh like nicholas put an ad on craigslist and i told him i wasn't going to give him a hand job um i thought you said you would sorry that was a bad joke um anyway <laughs> He put an ad up on Craigslist, and I had been like playing it. I had played in a band for a long, long time, but uh, I had stopped playing with it. And it had been like, it had been a couple months, and I was like looking to start playing again. And like all the guys that I had been in bands with and stuff were already like doing other stuff. And so I, I was just like, you know, sort of like just poking around and. Like his ad, you know, like mentioned a couple bands that I was into and I sent him a message and then like we started talking and it turns out I actually like I I knew him already. Like did I didn't realize it was his him, you know, like that it was Nicholas when I was responding initially. But uh yeah, he used to work at a coffee shop that I used to go into like all the time. That's right. Um, and so like we knew each other from there. And his old band, one of his old bands, had played a show with one of my old bands, and like, sort of that's that's how it started, anyway. Yeah, he was when I worked at thirteen sixty nine. We called him the high five guy 
because he would always come in, get this drink that was very easy to make. So, you know, after a long day of making complicated drinks, you're like, oh, finally, it's this guy who wants one simple, easy thing. And he would get everybody on staff, like whether they were downstairs or on break to come out and high five him. So when we when he answered the ad, I was like, you're the high five guy. And that was kind of, yeah, I was like, oh, this guy will be cool. And then I had written one song to try out. I wanted to do the band at just bass and drums because I had spent two grand on a Rickenbacker. I was working like double shifts at jobs just to afford it. And I bought the Rickenbacker and I was like, if you have a Rickenbacker, you have to play it. It's too expensive to not play. And I wrote a song for it and I was like, the song's going to go kick snare, kick snare, kick snare, kick snare. And this guy refused to play that. Like he was like, and I was like, okay, he's got ideas that I don't have. He's going to make me do interesting stuff. We should play together from now on. Right. Yeah, definitely. The first time we played, you were like, no, no, like the, the play, like the punk rock beat. And yeah, you went, you like, went, no, you should no. <laughs> well, like, I do play that beat, but like for the song that it was it was like that no that's 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 not going to be any good that's not actually what you want <laughs> that's crazy well, to meet somebody for the first time and just say no when you're looking at them i gotta know what the drink is it was so easy that like everybody loved me <laughs> you know thai iced tea oh yeah yeah you batch it yeah. and then you pour it in a cup and pour a little cream on top so you, all the work is done by the time the customer comes in and and we were 1369 there's two locations and it's it's more of a i can't think of what the word is but it's it's the kind of coffee shop you go to when you want like a great espresso they worked hard on and you want them to foam the milk like perfectly and and you get a lot of demand for that but it can wear you out so to just make a thai iced tea you're like oh thank goodness <laughs> right right you just had to pour it in a cup like that was it, you know, like, right. No foaming, nothing, nothing. You don't got to weigh your shot. I, we weighed our shots. Dial we everything in. <laughs> I work in a coffee shop. Yeah, you know what's up, man. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a training lab because um, they really wanted you to get it right. So once a month, they'd have you over the training lab and lab, and, and you, you know, check concentration. You do taste wow. testing. You'd go home and couldn't sleep at night. All caffeinated. <laughs> They, they had like uh, they had pictures up on the wall like there was like, um, you know, like a local photographer had done a series of like portraits, which was like the hands of the employees and like the cappuccino that they had made. You know, so it's like all these pictures of like, you know, fancy cappuccinos with like the like uh, the little leaf design in the foam or like the heart or you've worked at a coffee shop so you know like they have all those you know there's all the like fancy swirl you can make in the cappuccino and all of that so they had like it was that kind of place they had pictures of those like check out check out what we do (laughs) we foam some milk so you're you're a you're a drum and bass duo you know with some like additional uh gear thrown in there of course but not like the electronic kind you know in case <laughs> you know drilling bass or anything like that tom, tom um, york and the radio heads right <laughs> but uh you you've got this i mean i'm sure this gets brought up a lot but you've got this like amphetamine reptile records touch and go records like vibe with your sound like i hear a lot of unsane and jesus lizard i was listening to your record uh, pillow talk that came out last year on nefarious industries and I saw that it was put out on uncolored PVC. That is insane. I have never seen that before. <laughs> we had to work hard to get that. We really, what was the deal? We wanted to do like a picture desk and nobody wanted to pay for a picture desk. And then we, we were like, we're going to have to sell a kidney to pay for this picture desk. 
So then we were like, what if we made the sleeve look like when you open the record, it's going to be a picture disc. But then when you pull it out, it's the furthest thing from a picture disc. Right, right, yeah. right. It's just like, it looks like a, the, like the color of the vinyl is like if you melted down like a, a milk jug. Yeah. You know, it's like sort of like hazy, clear plastic. Like just bland, like, Yeah, you, know? if it, you couldn't be further from a picture disc with what it's, we... Because the label, isn't the label just like a silhouette? It's white on white. Yeah. Yeah, it's white on white. Oh, I see it. I just Googled uncolored PVC and there's like maybe 40 pictures on Google Images and like two of them, three, no, four of them are your record. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> nice. So go Google that and you'll see it. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted it to be like completely clear, but they couldn't offer that to us. They were like, it's just not going to happen. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I've seen some pretty clear records, but like, yeah, it, the, the, uh, the actual like etched in, like where the grooves are, it makes it not as see-through as, uh, yeah. It's it's like it's always a compromise, right? Like it's like if you do a picture disc, they look cool, but they sound like garbage. And then the more color in the vinyl, the more I guess the black in the in the vinyl helps with fidelity or something, or it helps keep the dust out. I don't know. There's some science to it. So you know, we thought about doing a pink record, and they're like, "Oh, it's gonna sound terrible." Oh, okay, I won't do a pink record then. Do people play their records? That's the important question. <laughs> right. You mean people that buy them or they just look at them? They're, yeah. They're pretty. Once, <laughs> listen once, then shelve. That's it. Morgan <laughs> actually listens to his records. Whenever I go over to his house, he's got something on. Yeah. I, I, you know, like, I collect records, but not in the like, oh, check this out. It's worth 200 bucks. But, you know, it's like, I, I, like most of the mis- music I have uh, is is on is on vinyl or whatever you know. So like I got you know uh, many many thousands of records. <laughs> you got an iPod too, don't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah I do have an iPod. Yeah. He's an iPod guy. I offered to put him on my Spotify. He goes, "What would I do with it?" I'm like I don't know, man. You got an iPod. <laughs> sort of one begets the other. <laughs> Actually, the the last time I bought a phone, I was like can i like how much music can i put on there and they were like the person at the phone store was like looking at me they're like why don't you just stream it and i was like forget it (laughs) basically like well because everything i want to listen to is from like 1998 that they made 200 copies on you know like on you know some some dude you know like some dude pressed 200 copies of a seven inch and like that's what i want to hear i don't you know spotify ain't got it you know yeah i've definitely got that that like I can't find the album I want to stream. I could find this oh. dumb like YouTube video of it, yeah. but like I have to have my phone open the whole time and draining my battery. Or I can download it and then just throw it in the music file because nobody has it streaming. Yeah. Like the the ease of Spotify is nice, but there is some there's some gaps there. Yeah, yeah. and it's like uh it's funny because this does segue a little bit. Uh, Morgan was saying in ninety-eight you know, when we get to talking about the record stuff, but it's the ungodly amounts of meat came out and whoever uploaded to Spotify got the, the like beginning and end of tracks wrong. So when you go to like one of the tracks, it's something about Mars, the red planet, you know, that song. Yeah. It's the middle of the track and you're like, unbelievable. So you have to go back and listen to the track before it. And then I don't even know how that happens. Yeah. Just somebody not paying attention when they're uploading it. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, so I gave you the year 1998 to talk about, and you gave me two choices, 
and one of them you uh, you specifically said uh, was better than American Nervosa by Botch that came out in '98 as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, we're definitely going to talk about that one because that is a bold statement to make. What are some other '98 records we uh, should mention as well, though? Like we said, Converge when Forever Comes Crashing. Uh, Dylan, why don't you lead us in this? Well, speaking of records that came out in 1998 that are not on Spotify, I think I noticed that the Locust self-titled record is not on Spotify. Fantastic record. That I I I I I went I went through my many records in a totally non-scientific formula of trying to find things that had come out in 1998. And that was like one of the first ones I found. I was like, I know this was like right around there because they had had a bunch of seven inches that had come out before them. And I had all of those. But yeah, the first, the first Locust LP definitely came out in 98. It's kind of crazy that it's not on Spotify because it, all of their other records are. So I'm, I'm surprised. Who's the label who did that one? It, uh, Gold Standard, uh, GSL, I think, put that one out. But wasn't that oh. Justin's label or whatever? No, did, no, no. Justin does uh, 3-1-G records. I thought that um, was like one and the same. Now they're two different things. They a lot of a lot of like uh, cross. They cross streams a lot. But uh, that was uh, GSL Gold Standard Laboratories was um, Sonny K, who was in uh, a band called Angel Hair. And he was in um, the VSS, uh, and then he did a band called Year Future, all of which are totally excellent, if you're unaware of them. So he put out uh, like that 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 Locus LP and like a couple like seven inches and stuff before that. Oh. I think they did like a Man as the Bastard record. They they did like three one G and GSL were like same same, you know. Yeah, it's probably they just didn't haven't uploaded that part of the like library yet. If it's like so closely related, there's there's like um, the band we're talking about today is their their other album was on Tortuga, and that's Tortuga. not on Spotify. And it's like, isn't that just an imprint of Hydrahead? It doesn't make sense why a ton of other Hydrahead stuffs on there, but not the yeah. Tortuga stuff. I guess it's just like they haven't got around to uploading it because it's probably a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. So I sort Sorry. of I, I I know those guys a little bit, like the uh, Hydrahead guys and the. Man, I'm like name droppy right now. But <laughs> anyway, um, you dropped uh, all these. <laughs> yeah, like the the, the tour, two guy on the Hydra head, like basically like uh, there was a guy Mark who was part of Hydra head. You know, there's Aaron Turner, and then there was a guy um, like Metal Mark, and Mark did. Uh, I think Mark was sort of in charge of all the. Uh, the Tortuga stuff. At least that was like how I understood it at the, at that point in time. You know, so like right, he did like them and like Scissor Fight and right and the, the and mm-hmm. five. They put out a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah, Tortuga. Does that mean turtle? <laughs> yes. Another big record, a really important one to me at least that I I noticed going off of the uh, was also not on Spotify, which I knew it wasn't because none of her records are. But Red and Circuits. The uh, Sarah Kirsch band. You're right. That, came, that record came out in '98, which I, is, I think, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm all over the place with all of those bands. Like, I every time I'm listening to one, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite. So. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get into that record, but I respect it heavily. Like, I know that it was important. It's like Morgan mentioned uh, Refuse, The Shape of Punk to Come. Like, I personally don't like that record. But I acknowledge how important it was in the chain of events. 
I, yeah. I mentioned that to you on the phone before we started talking to these guys in case they were like, <laughs> when did he say that? When you guys didn't hear Morgan. Morgan said that like three seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, that Bread and Circus record is 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 that's an awesome record. That's an awesome record. I love um, I love every Sarah Kirsch band. Like every band. I think I nabbed my copy of this. Like very comically yoinked it out from in front of Justin. I think at, so. <laughs> uh, at Arrow's Aim in Gainesville, it was either that or like the Fuel record. We like probably both saw it at the same time, and I was just a little <laughs> bit closer. What other projects are Sarah Kirsch? I don't even know. Uh, Torches to Rome. Please inform the captain. This is a hijack. Mm-hmm. Bader Brains. Um, what's some of the earlier ones? Sawhorse. Fuel. Fuel. That's the big one. Yeah. Right. Like Speak 411, right? Uh, John Henry West. Um, oh, man. She was. <laughs> that, that, that seven inch was like. That was some shit, man. When that 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 record was awesome. I think that she was in Pinhead like, Gunpowder. Oh, yeah, she was like very briefly in Pinhead Gunpowder. Yeah. I know Pinhead Gunpowder because I work at a tea company, but also because I just know Pinhead Gunpowder. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Fifteen. I know Fifteen. Like um, very briefly. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I thought Fifteen yeah. was like San Francisco. Brent Circus was Circuits was San Francisco. Yeah. 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 California. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All those Bay Area. She's like Bay Area bands. Oh. It's kind of funny because like '98 is really big for heavy stuff. So yeah. there's 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 the Converge record, there's the Botch record. Coalesce put out uh, "Functioning on Impatience," which is probably one of my favorites of that style. It was their cleanest record. I, I and I think it was a smart, smart record. And I honestly, this is gonna be heresy as well. I think it was better than American Nervosa. Obviously, "We Are the Romans" was was their peak for Botch, but yeah, yeah. I will. I, agree. I will definitely agree that that uh, that functioning on impatience was better than American Nervoso. There you go. Uh, I know. I we'll get into it when we talk about the record, but um, um yeah. And then there's some more like pop centric stuff. Alkaline Trio put out "God Damn It." Braid did "Frame and Canvas." I so I saw that one. Like at that time, I had a. Like I had a girlfriend who was like obsessed with that band, and I could have sworn that like I was hearing that record before 1988. Like and like now, like you know, you know, 20 years later or whatever, I actually really like that record. But at the time, it was like one of those ones of like, if I never fucking hear this band ever again, <laughs> like I'll be totally all right with that. Um, so I feel like like if I don't know. I thought I thought that record came out sooner, but it's listed as '98. But definitely, like in 1998, I never wanted to hear that record ever again. <laughs> I never want to hear "In the Airplane Over the Sea" for that exact reason, and that came out in '98. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, for some reason, Neutral Milk Hotel is like the perennial, like every subculture indie whatever kid gets into that record at some point. So I, having worked in coffee shops for the last couple of years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why, though, too, because then I would go to work and they'd be like, have you heard this? And I'm like, yeah, just heard that it record, 10 minutes ago. You get, <laughs> you get record, a 21-year-old who thinks they just discovered the most amazing yeah. obscure artist and they play it all the time. You're like, oh, my <laughs> God. I never so need that, to hear the out-of-tune like, trumpet and... Yeah. <laughs> That record is to like twenty-one-year-old kids, as is Led Zeppelin is to like thirteen-year-old boys. Like, 
yo, listen to this. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Who like gives them all this the same record? Like it's it's like yeah. a rite of passage. It's like you heard Neutral Milk Hotel yet? Because <laughs> when I was eighteen, Gillette, because you know we live in Massachusetts and Gillette's here. Gillette mailed me a razor and it was like, congratulations on your eighteenth birthday. Do you think that happens with Neutral Milk Hotel? <laughs> Like they just mail the kids a copy. They're like, "Here you go." There, there's a mailing list that you get signed up on if you get your septum pierced. Just like they immediately go put your your info in, and you get a copy of it. They're like, mail. "Let me see your thigh. Do you have a tattoo of some kind of Virgin Mary?" All right, we're good. I will say, in defense of that record, though, like at the time, like I thought it was like. I, 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 it was another record that, like, if I never heard it again, would be totally fine. But, like, I revisited that record a couple of years ago. Like, it's a pretty good record. So like, how did you not hear No Doubt until, like, two weeks ago? <laughs> He'd never heard him before. He goes, what's a No Doubt? And I'm like, go listen to No Doubt. And he's like, I don't like it. And I'm like, I don't understand. You never heard it. <laughs> like, I was familiar. Like, I had heard the name. But, like, I, I, don't, I, like, I don't think I'd ever, you know, like... Right. So, you like, just in never 19, put, put the pieces like 1995, together. I worked in Tower. I worked at Tower Records, and you never heard No Doubt. That's like right <laughs> in the middle of it. Happened in 1995, and like when I stopped working at Tower Records, I never had to listen to that bullshit ever again. You know, like man, what year did Tragic Kingdom come out? Is that 97? Yeah, let's look that up because yeah. that's important. Tragic Kingdom. Why the fuck are we talking about No Doubt, man? Because you didn't know who it was. She's marrying that guy from. The... <laughs> Was she marrying the guy from the Teen Idol or American Idol or something? 95 was when Tragic Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> October 95, is that what that says? So if you quit before then. He came out and he was like, I'm done. Oh, 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 oh I didn't quit. I got fired. <laughs> Speaking of uh, 1998 records that people won't shut up about, there's, uh, there's my friend Duster. <laughs> Oh yeah, you you tweeted uh, this week that you had to listen to a Duster record, and I a, a Duster record followed well, was, by a Reverend Horton Heat record. No, and... well it was the playlist radio. It was like an iHeartRadio, so this makes it even worse because there's a limited pool of artists that they can pull from because it's iHeartRadio and it's garbage. Mm. It's only the most mainstream names. Yeah, yeah. So it was like Duster, and every time, so that it played a lot of Duster songs because it didn't know what else to do. And then stuff like that. So every time I'd walk over to the espresso machine, I just wanted to die. It was just like, ugh. <laughs> and then my, uh, nothing, I mean, and I can enjoy Duster, but I don't want to listen to it while I'm working. And, yeah, and then, my, and then my other coworker went and changed it to Reverend Horton Heat after that. <laughs> you don't like Reverend Horton like, Heat? At least this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I he's probably a, this. It's upbeat. He himself is probably... Uh, a shitty dude, but uh, oh, yeah, those early did. records are fun. Yeah. yeah. yeah really? Is the reference a shitty dude? Didn't he do like a bunch of concerts like in the beginning of COVID? Like, yeah, he was like, I'm not canceling anything. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, working musician, but you know, for the sake of. You yeah, know. you're a reverend. You got to <laughs> do right by the people. Yeah. In 98, I was 11 and 12. So. I was listening to Eve Six's self-titled album. I'm glad somebody <laughs> brought that up. <laughs> I saw it on the charts, and I knew it was yeah. we were going to talk about it because <laughs> that's a huge record for us. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing about faith and nothing. That was that, right? <laughs> yeah, never heard it. Yeah. 
Wanna put my tanda hot in a blender? How do you forget that line? Well, you did not go roller skating um, <laughs> at, in 1998. I did not. You're right. You're right. That. You're right. That made me feel like I was a great skater. Do you think somebody grew up and got? I want to get a tender. Put my tender heart in a blender, like tattooed on their arm. I hope someone has that big fly on their arm somewhere. Yes, <laughs> with the sticks behind it. Yeah, yes. that record is solid. I I've listened to it so much that I don't know that I can be impartial about it because I was it was so young and it was like a mainstream record that I was like allowed to have. But yeah, I listened to that and the two records after very extensively. So yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up into that one. It's it's yeah. way too hard to be objective. <laughs> and also, The Offspring's Americana came out in 98. And... I had completely abandoned them by then. <laughs> uh, it was perfect for me in the sixth grade, though. So. <laughs> was that the one with Fly for a White Guy on it? Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was like their last album that had like actual hits on it. Yeah. I was into Smash, like crazy into Smash in eighth grade. Like I had a tape and I would listen to it from my house to school when I walked. But uh, then after that, it, it kind of, it wasn't as fierce. I always wanted fierce in my music, even pop music. I wanted something that was just pushy, you know, either it said something it wasn't supposed to say, or it had a beat that was weird or something. So that one lost me. But Eve six, just, I honestly, that was to me better than Americana. Like uh, that was that record Americana. Mm-hmm. I'd say yeah. it's probably better. Objectively, yeah. it's better. Yeah, it's better songwriting. It's more interesting. You know, there's some good hooks on Americana, but yeah, overall, that's just it's a. It's funny because they were a lot younger too. They were like teenagers. Oh when you, shit! When Eve Six started, so like Offspring was already probably thirty. You know, yeah, usually, you know, easily. by the time Americana came out with their Ricky Lake references. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should get into the album. Um, so. Sure. We gave you 98, and you picked non I don't think I've said this out loud. Non-compos mentis. Smile, yeah. smile when you hate. whole record they're gonna have a hard time shutting me up about this <laughs> let's just make this clear that nicholas picked this record i'd do it again in a heartbeat 
<laughs> and you do not stand by his better than American Nervosa stance. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> this is I breaking up the band. Huge, I, I wasn't a really huge fan of American Nervosa either. Uh, like I, that was like I got that record because like a bunch of people were like, "Oh man, Botch is awesome," and I was sort of like, mm, "It's <laughs> it's all right, it's all right." Like. Didn't really do it for me. The non compost mentis record also. Yeah, but you knew <laughs> you knew those guys. You at least knew Jeff. And you knew the scene. You knew like Wonder Drug and stuff. So sort of like this is one of those ones that like I'm sort of kicking myself. Like I should have asked Jesse, because uh like a buddy of mine I used to be in a band with. I know that I, I know that I've like I remember seeing those guys playing because they played in like orange jumpsuits, and I know that I like one of those guys was like friends with people that I knew somehow, but I don't remember like you know again it's like twenty it's half my lifetime ago, uh, I don't remember the connection completely, but like I definitely saw these guys around that time. They were okay. He's lying. <laughs> they were amazing. My thing <laughs> wasn't my thing. <laughs> Uh, let me run through some stats about the record. Uh, they're from Burlington, Vermont. Correct. Which is, which is crazy, because you don't think about too many bands coming out of Vermont. Um, they are not to be confused with the Texas No Wave Band or the German Dark Wave Band, called non Uh They existed from 97 to 99. This is their first album. Let's see. It was released on Wonder Drug Records, and I want to talk about that in a little bit, too. Uh, and the personnel on this album is Horace, a.k.a. Dan Bushy on bass, Willis, a.k.a. Greg Beadle on drums, Chester, a.k.a. Matt Roy on guitars, and Butch, a.k.a. Jeff Hallett on vocals. Uh, Dan and Matt would later play in Drowning Man, and Greg was in The Hope Conspiracy. And uh, the last thing would be the record was produced by Glenn Robinson, who produced albums by Gwar, Queensryche, and Voivod. So, all right, all right. Now that it, like we go through the the personnel, now I'm remembering some more of the connections. <laughs> like, all right, all right, yeah. So when you when when I gave you the list of '98, and then you like sent me two choices back, the other one you pick was Sam Black Church, correct? That that again was me just sort of spouting my mouth off. But yeah, there was the Divine Comedy. But Morgan, what would you have picked if I didn't bleed out like a goat? Like for for nineteen ninety eight for records yeah. that came out in ninety eight. Like, yeah. uh, shit, man. Um, I wouldn't have picked those records. You're more <laughs> of a ninety seven guy, right? Uh, so, uh, like, just from like flipping through my records, the ones that came out that were like big for me that year like shellac terraform that record was huge like for me um uh there's a band called kill sadie um oh, i toured with those guys in 1998 and they're like their their record half cock concepts came out in 1998 for me that was like personally because i t i the band i was in we toured with those guys for like five weeks like that record would have been to the, the guys in kill sadie went on to be in um uh, uh, these arms are snakes. Pretty girls make graves. Um, minus the bear. Uh, 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 sharks keep moving. Jaguar love. Like they they went on to be in a, a bunch of other uh, other stuff. But like Kill Sadie was an awesome band, and that record was uh, was 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 awesome. I would have chose those ones. 
like there's a blonde redhead record that came out. Uh, Wait, which blonde redhead record? In it, in expression of the in it, inexpressible or whatever. I know Again, that one, like, but I it's not really a punk rock record. But like for me, like 1998, like that record was like you know like had the girlfriend that was like listening to like the braid record, and I was like like trying to get her to listen to the blonde redhead record like why don't you like this record like this is poppy like i don't <laughs> this is, this record is amazing this is uh, i'm so sick of this other shit like <laughs> nah uh there was, like there was a, a his heroes gone record came out in 98 uh yeah, but it, it wasn't was like the, the good one though right it was like the <laughs> one that was like later his heroes gone what bad record did they put out man <laughs> that one <laughs> You guys see what I had to put up with? <laughs> I have to, and he's like picking, he's picking, he's picking whatever. It's showing me the bad His Hero Is Gone record. Come on now. I, I think if you had a grand jury review my selection, they would vote that it was okay. It was a good selection. <laughs> drug band which i thought was interesting that the both the records you picked were the same label do you like have any like connections to that label or they just mean a lot to you at that time i mean for me personally yeah it was it was definitely so so if you dial it back to nicholas when he's like a 15 year old kid i was interested in more outsider music like when i first started getting into music i was put off by the fact that music is congregation that music's like everybody getting together and having a nice time that really bothered me and i resisted it and then when i started moving my teens i was really impressed with artists who would do things like tiny tim weird al yankovic like people that were doing things that were basically annoying and when I got into punk rock... And that's I, how you just have to live the rest of yeah, your life. <laughs> I was like, this could be a personality for me. Uh, I was like, there, there has to be something else, but I could never quite put my finger on it. And my friend of mine was like, if you like all this, you should check out the band Stompbox. And Stompbox wasn't playing any all-ages shows at the time, but 6L6 was. 6L6 was on the early incarnation of Wonder Drug called Summit. It's the same label, same guy. And I went to go see them, and a band opened for them called Five Seconds Expired, which was Jeff Howlett's band before Non Compass Mentis. And that changed everything for me. I was like, wait, you can fucking turn things up to 11? You can put a bass through a rap pedal and put it through like a guitar amp? 
this is this is not what I'm used to. And it was just a feeding frenzy after that. And I bought everything on Ken's label. Ken's the guy from Wonder Drug. So that for me, I know it's not Morgan's, you know, history, but for me, it was a very pivotal collection of things that happened with Wonder Drug for me and, and the Boston music scene. I was looking at the other Wonder Drug records, and the only other names I recognized really was uh, Maudlin of the Well, and uh, they put out the Acacia Strains 2002 demo. <laughs> oh, weird. I didn't realize that. <laughs> it's like, oh, weird. That's an odd. <laughs> they didn't put anything else they did out, but just the demo. Well, they put out a band, a little-known band, that was really fucked up and weird called Slug Hog. And I think Morgan can say a little bit more. For us, that has been an increasingly important part of our lives. I mean, it was already an important part. Morgan, did you want to talk about that? Yeah, so Wonder Drug put out, like, they they put out a bunch of different stuff. It's like a local label, so it was all, you know, like, New England-type like bands uh, on varying levels of quality. Shall we say? <laughs> I was hoping you take quality. <laughs> uh, they they put out this band called Slug Hog, and Slug Hog was like that two bass players, um, a guitarist that like basically just soloed all the time, but like not like not like Eddie Van Halen, like you know, like yeah. like he just played some some weird shit. Yeah, just like shit bag in your face solos that didn't make any sense. Like, oh, right. oh, oh, oh. and they were like they were super loud. They were like they were definitely like doing sort of like like noise rock kind of amrap type type stuff, but totally their own thing. They were like and they were like you know they were an awesome band. They were an awesome band. They so uh, Wonder Drug put out that record also in 1998. Definitely at that point in time, like for like you know like you know I was like just turning 21, but I had been like going into bars, you know. Since way before that, like, you know, when I shouldn't have been a, a lot of Boston, like there's a lot of places you could you could start going to shows at like 18. They would they would just like X your hands or whatever, you know. So, so like I was definitely like I was seeing like I, I, I was seeing Slug Hog play a bunch like leading up, up to this. They were they were awesome. They were awesome. And the one of the bass players, this guy, Andrew Schneider. We ended up like I I ended up being you know friendly with him. I shared a practice space with him and with like one of his old uh, bands after Slug Hog. You know the, his band you know shared the same practice space as my band. Oh, but we ended up recording with him, and he's like he's done a bunch of awesome records. He did like a bunch of the Unsane records, made out of uh, babies, uh, made out of babies. He did uh, uh, there's like that Cult of Luna and yeah. Julie Christmas record or whatever. Like he's a he actually won a Grammy, because um, yeah. uh, he recorded all of the the Blue Man Group stuff, and so like he won a Grammy for like uh, like best like theater production or something. Well, like, he, didn't he win a Juno Award because of Ken Mode, and it's like the Grammys of Canada. The Did award? Yeah, I thought so. That something. Yeah, yeah. Probably. I mean, he's a he's a super talented dude and very nice guy. And and so he played in this band Slug Hog, which was like, you know, like it was like when we were going to record. I I was sort of Nicholas wanted to you know like had a list of folks he wanted to record with, and I was like, oh well, let's 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 hit up let's hit up Andrew, and he was you know I told him some of the bands he'd done and. and he was like, "Oh, that that sounds all right," but like later, I told him, "Like, yeah, he was in Slug Hog." 
And Nicholas was like, pissed what? myself. You know, <laughs> like trickle of urine. And when we got to New York to go record with him, we were waiting for him to come to the studio and unlock it and we could load in. And I, in my head, I was doing that thing when you meet like a famous person. I was like, don't say anything about Slughog. Don't say anything about Slughog. And then the minute I saw him from across the street, I go, Slughog! And I was like, fuck! In the, in the car, in the car on, 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 on the drive down to New York, you told me you were not going to mention Slughog to yeah. You were like, okay, I won't talk about it with him. I won't that was my plan for the whole weekend. I'd be like, well, what did you do in Slughog? Could you make it sound like Slughog, please? <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm Slughog. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me try this again. You're Slughog. I'm also Slug. Fuck. Yeah. So, so non-compass mentis. Yeah, that whole label, and then they shared a, a building, we the uh, EMF building with New Alliance, where Andrew worked. And New Alliance was putting out Converge. They were putting out Big Business. They were they were the mastering place and the recording place for a lot of those records. Uh, what was it? Uh, Nate's other band, um, the one where he played guitar and sang. What was that band? Uh, something Horse or something. You know what I'm talking about? Nate Newton. Nate, who? Nate Newton. He did another band. Doom Riders. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> something Horse. I don't know. <laughs> so this record is kind of i guess it's described as math core and i guess it kind of technically is but it's on the more like the bloodlit dead guy side you know that sludgy mathy i mean it's not mathy it's got some cool time signatures i guess that's that's the mathy aspect of it yeah but it's definitely like it's got strong bloodlit vibes. Like I listened to the bloodlit record yeah. that came out in '98, which was Seraphim Falls. It's not my favorite bloodlit record, but it's it's in that vein. And then you you mentioned early on that uh, Dead Guy was like one of your bands too. Huge so for me, and they that came out what '97, <laughs> which is funny because like we had a weird mix up with this record too because like half the internet says 97 the other half says 98 but the ones that say 98 attribute a specific date they say like april 9th 1998 so i assume they're probably more accurate i mean it makes sense yeah yeah it makes more sense with 98 too yeah this record so interesting and the reason that i think it was better american nervoso was like botch trying to do something very particular and trying to outline themselves and they clearly perfected it one album later because i mean i that's a record we could spend you know they could have a podcast just about we are the romans but and so that record just i know that that strikes a lot of things when forever comes crashing like yeah that was a big record for converge but i think there was much bigger records like no heroes was a huge record for them but the reason that non-compass mentor mentor's record strikes a chord with me is that the the context like the lyrics are very sarcastic like dead kennedy's which i liked very much and i wasn't seeing a lot of in boston hardcore i think that 
that style of plugging in like a, a boss DS one or like super overdrive pedal and turning down the tone knob. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. The orange jumpsuits in live. It was more about not giving a shit. Like they would just run around and stuff. And that's always been very appealing to me is when you go to see a show and you feel like you're capturing a moment rather than you're going to a show. And it's just kind of watching somebody paint a picture of, you know, it's, I think that kind of expressionism is pretty fucking cool. So that for me is part of why that record stood out so much. And the songs are like a minute long, which we also do like minute long songs. I was going to mention too, that it was one of my favorite parts about the record is like compared to the bot to American Nervosa Nervosa. I was like this, this record shorter and kind of yeah. like gets to the point a little quicker in the songs. Cause some of those, those botch songs, kind of go on for a really long time and it's like you had the cool idea in the beginning of the song and then you just kept running it to the end but this record it's more of like to the point um and then yeah there's not really many that go over two minutes right there's no. like the, the last next track. record they did the first track was called like 52 and it was a 52 second song like, yeah i listened to that one too because it was so short i had to like actually go to like soul seek and download it <laughs> oh you're on a list somewhere okay <laughs> i was like how do i get this i can't even find a youtube stream of it anywhere yeah. but <laughs> you had to ask the fbi agent behind you hey what how do i search this <laughs> what keywords do i need yeah <laughs> yeah um oh, that's sorry. definitely that's definitely like sort of a downfall of a lot of those metalcore bands like particularly in that era too like definitely like you know, Converge is a great band, but like at that point in time too, like I used to make fun of them a little bit. Um, <laughs> just because, like, I would a friend of mine was super into them, and every time we would play them, I'd start like holding up my fingers, counting off the parts for the song. <laughs> you know, like, and I would run out of fingers on on my hands because it's like, oh, you're on, you know, you're on minute five of the song, so you're on part twelve. You know, because it was <laughs> oh, like, it, like it never came back around. You know, like. And, like, those guys are awesome. You know, like, I couldn't play that shit. But, you know, like, definitely a lot of those bands, man, jerking off. They were jerking off. <laughs> I saw my friend was playing for Toxic Narcotic for a while, and they were doing a tour with MDC. And he brought me to a couple of the shows. And we were just watching. And, and uh, what's his name? Dirk or whatever. And uh, the guy from, the, like, the last remaining member of MDC had some young kid on guitar. And he goes... This guy's been wanking all tour. Watch him wank. And the guy's like shredding on an Ibanez over MDC songs. And then he popped a string. And I remember my friend Tristan goes, how's he going to wank now? He can't wank anymore. <laughs> shredding a Ibanez to MDC. <laughs> like, yeah. Doesn't like make I any like, sense at all. I don't get it, man. Like, just fucking give people what they want to see. Don't go up there and be like, watch me jerk. You know, it's not okay. <laughs> Dylan, what is, what is your opinion on this record? Because um, I will say this morning you texted me. You don't know you me in trouble. <laughs> I am not in the mood to talk about this basketball record today. <laughs> uh, it's been a pretty crappy week at work. That's that's the Sorry, main. Man. It's been a fun conversation so far. So and it's and it's always that way. It's like oh, I didn't really maybe connect with a record and then we're going to talk about it. And I still have a ton of fun. So um, I, th I think this is an interesting record um, for the time period for this being a huge year for math core math core. If you want to call it that otherwise like complex rhythms in metal core, <laughs> you know, 
just polyrhythms and metalcore. I don't, you know. I think it's interesting. I think this really does stand alone. I would compare it to a little bit to Coalesce, too. But a lot of noise rock, a lot of Unsane, a lot of that sound informing what they're doing, which I think is interesting. It's not trying to jam as many parts into the song like Converge would have been doing. I thought on the first track, my first impression, though, the first connection I made was to Training for Utopia, which was the Christian answer to math core. Um, (laughs) You're not wrong. I which, mean, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, which yeah, I, listen to I think is today. a pretty good band. <laughs> I think they hold up, especially in the vocals. Vocally, they sound very similar, at least to my ears. But yeah, just like yeah, between like all of those bands vocally, they're all kind of unique. Like definitely, Jake Bannon's unique, and Sean Ingram is unique. I don't know the botch dude. Oh, Dave Varellen, his name. Yeah. I think that's his name, the botch guy. It's so funny how important botch were for like then, and then maybe a couple years after they broke up, but like their impact in like 2020 isn't quite as like recognized. I don't know. It's funny that botch were hot then, but now Converge is the one who's won out over the time. Well, Converge kept going. That's a big part. And they adapted. They're like a hardcore, hardcore band now. Yeah. But even like Coalesce kind of has a better reputation but they also went longer too so i guess yeah it was like when botch broke up it was like holy shit they broke up right when they had all this momentum and i guess that was kind of like the story propelled them and everybody's you know collection then but yeah i think i mean i think there's a lot of overrating that goes on with botch Um, yeah because they have like i really love them and they were really really important to me as a teenager getting into heavy music and hardcore branching out from Norma Jean. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, you mean Botch Part 2? Right. Yeah. Botch has right. the distinction of being the... They were too... They were imitated too much shortly after they broke up. And I think that maybe brings them down a notch in my mind. But they, really were, there they were a big deal. I mean, to me, even. Yeah. So... Dave Dave Knutson is that that's how you say Knutson Knutson. He he had like an Eddie Van Halen innovation thing happening when he played guitar, and then like you said, more, so many people regurgitated that and mirrored that and parroted that that it started to really water down. Because at the time he was definitely coloring outside the lines, but you don't you can't see that now because so many people were like, oh, I'm gonna get a you know one of those line six pedals and go between two amps and all this shit. So kind of hard to recognize that with modern eyes that that dude is still a total beast on guitar though because like, he is so so he, he stopped you know like he stopped doing botch and then he plays it in minus the bear or whatever which is like you know totally different sounding stuff but like and i'm not a huge fan of, of that band or whatever but like that dude is a motherfucker on guitar like <laughs> that dude plays guitar like nobody else and definitely, I've seen him like on lists of like best indie rock guitarists of all time. Like that dude can play guitar. Like yeah, and he can yeah. play against himself. I remember I've never been able to do it right, so that's why I haven't tried to do it with this band or anything. But when I saw them at the Middle East, he ha- will like play a part and loop it on one amp, and then play another part against it while the bass player is playing. A th- it was so broad for such a little band, you know. 
He's definitely one of the one of the few guitarists I've seen like doing like the tapping stuff. Yeah, that didn't look like a total tool bag. Like, <laughs> like, like he was just playing the song, like doing his tapping stuff, but like he didn't look like a douche. You know? I definitely remember like we came through botch through norm. This is so weird. We're talking about botch more than talking about this record, but um, uh, I we came through to botch through Norma Jean just because of when it came out, and then later realizing I was like, God, they ripped everything off for this record the song titles are exactly like yeah. <laughs> that the like the uh the producer engineer yeah uh, the guitars they recorded identical. with matt bales it's just who so was funny. in minus the bear right just throwing that one out there too <laughs> so like I, I get let's pull it back to non-compos mentis like so this record is the exact opposite of that to this in like the everything is sharp in botch, everything is mushy almost on this record. Yes, like. thank you. That's one of the parts <laughs> I liked about it. It was like fucking just. It almost felt like a demo, but it's a full album that I know Ken paid for them to get mastered and paid for them to record properly. Yeah, that Glenn guy who did like the Queensrÿche records probably like. Is are you sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> he also recorded War, so. <laughs> I think this record. So I like. I hadn't listened to this record, and you know. 20 years or something uh uh so like i re-listened to it at like three three or four times it definitely gets better towards the end but it also suffers from like like i wasn't into a lot of this this sort of metalcore stuff that was happening at this point in time because like it's all the same goddamn tempo like all of these bands love playing at that like and by like by 1998 i was like sick of that tempo like you know like i didn't I didn't want to see people mosh, you know, like Boston, unfortunately, like for like hardcore and stuff was like at that point in time was really overrun with like tough guys. Yes. Um, you know, so, so it was, bad. It was like all these fights at shows. And like, I just like at this point, by this point, I was definitely like not interested in bands that were like, yeah, let's see everybody mosh, you know, and they were like playing right at that, you know, like that's the tempo, right? No, and they definitely, they played with, like, Piecemeal, that was one of those bands. And I remember I went to a show, and it was, like, Piecemeal being like, everybody, somebody better fucking die tonight, let's do this! And then you had Non-Compass come out in orange jumpsuits with the guy calling himself the ninja, you know? It felt like it was a nice change of pace. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely, like, you were saying earlier, Nicholas, like, they definitely were, like, a lot more tongue-in-cheek, you know? Like, they were not taking themselves so seriously, like... You know, they were not like, we're tough. We're so tough. It's like, <laughs> I don't give a shit how tough you are. Like, go to the gym. Like, that's, you know, it, it's, that doesn't impress me. You know, like, it's not really, I don't want to get kicked when I go to a show. Like, I just want to hear some bands, you know, like. Do you I'm remember the, the band Fury of Five from New Jersey? Do you remember that band? Which band? Fury of Five. I, I remember the name, but... but... I, sh I shit you not. You can probably find it on the internet somewhere. They were selling shirts at their merch table that had a, the handicap logo with a circle with a line through it. That was tough guy to them back then. Right, right. Can right. you fucking believe that? <laughs> Didn't they become like a meme? Weren't they like a meme band? Like They, uh... they were fucking dicks. They played with Blood for Blood all the time. Ugh. Fucking dicks. <laughs> yeah, the one dude looks like... A wrestler like a pro wrestler he is <laughs> super buff and has tons of tattoos um he's got like a vanilla ice ha hat yeah, on that was tough <laughs> if you were in a vanilla ice you were a fucking mean bastard 
Well, because Vanilla Ice is a mean bastard. <laughs> like, now. Yeah, it, <laughs> actually, I think Vanilla Ice, like, he did a tour around 1998. Yeah. Like, right around this time, he did a tour with a hardcore band. That is true. I had that record. My sister he was, gave like, it trying to, to revive his career or whatever. I yeah. think that might have been 1998. Like, yep. I wouldn't be surprised. He renamed the song Ice Ice Baby Too Cold, and he did it as a hardcore metal song. <laughs> And now he flips houses. He's good at it. <laughs> Making the moolah. <laughs> Seeing them come out in like the orange jumpsuits and like the ski masks was probably like, oh shit, what's this? Like, <laughs> what is this band gonna do? I guess it's that theatrical. And, and, uh, and it was like Morgan said to have a band, yeah, and have a band that wasn't, you know, didn't have a thousand parts. It was like four parts per song, and it was like it got to the point, you know, like you listen to what is it, Beauty Queen, and there. There's like a little bit of a talky part. I, for me, it felt like having a version of Dead Guy in New England that I could see for five bucks whenever I wanted. Because Dead Guy for me was like, I, it, I, I wanted to talk about that record so bad, but I fix when fixation on a coworker. Came, so yeah. can't really talk about that. But yeah, it's just for me, it felt like that. And I think it's interesting in contrast Morgan's experience with not particularly giving a shit about this band, with me <laughs> being like obsessed with this band and this record. <laughs> I, I hear the dead guy vibes on like uh, any takers, the second track on here. Yes, um, big time on that one. Yeah, and then like there's um, where is it? There's like another song that like kind of it has. I guess it's more the bloodlet thing. But I, I got some vibes of um, thoughts of Ionesco when I was listening to this record. I don't know if you were familiar with that band, but they're like. Where were they from? Were they a Florida band? They could be a Midwestern band there, too. They had stuff come out on No Idea, but I don't know that they're necessarily yeah. from there. They were, like, they were kind of like this. They were, like, real noisy, low-end hardcore. But then they would do, like, more, like, atmospheric stuff on the record. Like, stuff that you would hear more on, like, a, a Neurosis record. But, like, between tracks on a Neurosis record, you know? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, they put out a record... They were from Detroit. Oh, okay. um, Midwest, okay. They put out a record in 98 uh, called Skin Historic. They had, like, kind of cr- complex... It's written right here as complex arrangements, improv- improvisational sections inspired by free jazz. So, like... Beautiful. <laughs> there's little elements of that in there, too. Which they more, never up. Yeah, more on the experimental edge while still being, like... Not going so far into like the post hardcore and like still retaining some meat, <laughs> some of that heftiness of hardcore that you want. It's really visceral and satisfying. Um, 
that's something I got a lot from from this non combos record. It's almost like just that, just that focused, visceral, in your face. Like you said, it sounds like a demo. It's just like so noisy and muddy and thick sounding. Yeah, the drumming's good too. He played like I think it was just kick, snare, hi hat, and then he would crash the ride. I'm pretty sure. I don't think he had much of a big kit. It was like jazz style. Yeah, it didn't sound. He didn't have like kit panning fills or yeah. anything crazy like that. Morgan's like that too. I like simplicity. Like I think there's there's something to be said for you know having the least amount of stuff and doing the most with it versus having like a huge pedal board and you know tons of drums and like a twenty string bass and. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I just don't want to carry any more crap. Man. No, this guy hates carrying crap. <laughs> I mean, the drums I play are like ridiculously large already. We we got like way too many amps for like seriously. There's two people in this band, and we'll play with five piece bands, and like we have more amps than they do. Good. Like pretty consistently, we're also usually twice as loud, which is good. But like, I don't want to carry any more stuff, man. Like that's that's my whole thing. Really, you know what I Patrick hate- said? Pat- so we were on the show called Lowell Train a bunch of years back. And uh, and there, there was like a small local television show. And, and they had interns they got from the from the nearby college, UMass Lowell. And uh, I guess they, they came and their first day was the day that we were on that television show. And at the end of that day, like we were done recording, they quit. Because they said that it was <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's pretty good. Like I know I shouldn't be happy about that, but I mean <laughs> oh, man, that's totally mission accomplished. Man. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, like I've definitely I've cleared a couple rooms in my time. Like yeah. there's something to it. There's something like there's something like well, if they're not gonna like it, like shit, if they hate us enough that they leave, that's awesome. I think right. it's the way to be. We've, better we've a, better than me, a mediocre response. Better than just... Yeah, just feel something, right? Like, <laughs> like the shows that you forget... Like, I saw... Like, oh, God, I shouldn't do this because it's, her- it's heresy again, but Willie Nelson, I saw him about two years ago. That guy should have hung up his spurs a while ago. <laughs> and it was just a forgettable experience. The songs weren't what they used to be. He clearly was just doing it for, I don't know why he's still torn. You know, maybe he just loves music a lot or something. I don't want that. I don't want that experience that people I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you for, he, that weed doesn't pay for itself. Maybe that's what it is. He's so <laughs> mean now, though. Willie needs to be torn to, to <laughs> keep up with that. Oh, maybe that's what it is. The gummy farm needs extra fertilizers. <laughs> <laughs> he's making all the money just to donate it to Farm Aid. There you go. Still, Farm Aid was like, "Yeah, the first time wasn't enough. Can we have more money, Willie Nelson?" Every Farm Aid lineup is the same. If you've ever looked at them, it's yeah. the same. It's him, Neil, John Mellencamp, and then everything under that. It's like either who cares, or it's like his kids. TV on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> You're like what? You know what we were talking about the other day? So Morgan and I vividly remember the band uh, Asuk or Asuk because they had the umlaut. Yeah. <laughs> they were the hottest fucking... Asuk, man. Don't... All right, Asuk. Like... <laughs> they were such an important band in the 90s. Like, you could not fucking meet a punk that didn't know that band and nobody remembers them anymore. What the fuck is that? They were so important at the time. Who, the hell you... Who doesn't remember them? I the remember Asuk. Yeah, I remember. I remember the butt flaps on the crust punks. Like yeah, the... they all had the butt flap from World. What was it? Something uh, I forget the name of the record, but you know the one with uh, that you just sent me the Ed Misery Index on it. 
I considered but did not follow through. I one time dressed up as a crest punk for like a dance at my tiny little Christian college. <laughs> it was the freaks and geeks dance, so I went freak. <laughs> I dressed up in like black jeans, black jacket, and I printed out all of these different like crust and hardcore band logos <laughs> and safety pin them so they looked like patches. And I, I contemplated ass up, but I don't I didn't follow through. Because that's gonna be Christian Christian college. I didn't want to get into that kind of trouble. <laughs> Those photos are gonna be your Justin Trudeau photos. Those are gonna haunt you, man. <laughs> you culturally appropriated so hard. <laughs> I I went to one of those, too, because we went to the same college. What? Not the same time. Uh, <laughs> I failed. He graduated. There's a difference. Um, but uh, they also had that Freaks and Geeks dance when I was there. And I went as a hardcore kid. So I had, like, camo shorts, uh, big hoodie, uh, and then, like, a bandana across. And then, like, big X's on the back of my hands. <laughs> so like, we had the same idea. We did the uh, the punk dressing. It's, like, it's probably a Hard Times article. Punk dresses up as themselves for Halloween. Or something. <laughs> awesome. No, I think it's maybe it's a nothing nice to say strip. Yeah, that seems like what's nothing nice to say. I'm Do you remember the the comic strip, uh, the web comic? Them? No, no. Um, were they in like Razor Cake? I remember Razor Cake, but I, I, think I never they described were, or anything. They were probably printed in there, and he had the website. Um, would have been 2000s, mid-2000s, mostly, okay. when he was doing this. And he, he did a lot of... Mitch has done a lot of, like, flyers and uh, for shows. Like, a lot of off-with-their-head stuff. Lemuria. A lot of that fest band type stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, No Idea Records and all that shit. Yeah, in that vein, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I found the band's MySpace. <laughs> They had a MySpace? Yeah, they had a MySpace, you know, and it's like how everyone else's MySpaces kind of, like, got wiped. I don't know why that site even exists anymore. Somebody owns it, but it's like, no one does anything with it. Justin Timberlake, he gave them a bunch of capital to come back up. They didn't do anything with it. They just were like, I hope they, like, took all that money and were like, yeah, 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 we're going to revamp the site. And then just, like, (laughs) went to an island or somewhere. But, um... For real, Justin Timberlake gave them money? I'm, I'm 100% on that. He was involved with uh, the rebranding and reopening of MySpace. Did Isn't he have anything come out in 1998? Oh, maybe. I thought the Backstreet Boys were 98, no? Yeah, but he wasn't in Backstreet Boys, though, was he? Oh, he was in... Which one was it? In Sync or was it O-Town? Yeah, he's in Sync, right? 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 Yeah. There's... You know which band he was in, but you don't know No Doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how does that work? Well... Well, because here's the thing is that I actually really like Justin Timberlake. He is good. He did the song Butterfly, right? Sugar, baby, you're my butterfly. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was Justin Timberlake. Yeah. No, Justin Timberlake is so, like, I, I, I am totally, back. I'm a total sucker for, like, for dudes with falsetto voices. So, like, he sounded, like, a lot like Michael Jackson to me. And, like, you know, I'm in my 40s. Like, Thriller was, like... I have the picture disc of Thriller from when that when that shit came out. Like that was like one of the first records I remember. Like as like you know I would have been like five or six I think when that like losing my mind over that record. And like Justin Timberlake in my mind, very <laughs> like very feels very similar to Michael Jackson. I shouldn't say feels like Michael Jackson. That's like a little weird, right? Do you feel but, the same to you? Right. But anyway, 
I like Justin Timberlake because he reminds me of Michael Jackson in a good way. So the reason why I bring up the MySpace thing, though, was because you can still see part of their top eight. So, like, I'm assuming the other ones you can't see anymore are the ones who actually, like, deactivated their accounts while these accounts just, like, stayed up. So the top eight for non-compost mentis, at least, like, five of them are Demigoat. No idea. Five, five seconds expired. That was Jeff's old band. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Overcast. Like Oh, Jesus. Unearth. Yeah, of course. And Township. There you so, go. Like... Was Jonah in Township? No, Jonah wasn't. Jonah was in uh, Milltown, right? Milton? Where? Yeah, Jonah was in Milltown. I bet one of those guys was in Township, though. Township, I'm sure there were some Vermont guys in Township. It's yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, did, but, I think uh, one of them. Yeah, man, Overcast. That band was all right. They should have been bigger than 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 what they ended up being. They became Shadows Fall, didn't they? Yeah, like, but Overcast was better. Or Kill Switch Engage or something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> I gotta pull up Overcast. Yeah, the singer, the, the singer was in Shadows Fall or whatever. Yeah. The the drummer for Overcast, that dude played so hard, man. Like, I saw them in like 1994 or something, and like that dude knocked over like every single one of his cymbal stands. And I was like, I want to play drums like that dude. Like, do you do it on purpose, or do you just knock them over? No, back? no, no, no. Like, like uh, that dude just played so hard. Oh, like, okay. yeah, he was total beast. Like, yeah, that's that. <laughs> uh, last thing I have is I found an Amazon review for this album, and like, I don't want to get all like, how did this get made? But I, uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, it, it, it says this was a this was bad in a whole new way. Bad is in all capital letters. It says, I have never heard this mix of punk and a death metal kind of singer. This was a gift, and I don't know what my friend was thinking. It was so bad. In exclamation again. It will be flown like a frisbee to the nearest trash can. Don't tell my friend that I trashed the gift. <laughs> I want that as a review for our shit so bad. Like, I wish somebody would say that about us. <laughs> Imagine giving this to someone who is not into this kind of music. Like, why did you do that? First of all, that's just I, rude. Yeah. I wonder if they were just close enough. Like, they listened to a lot of like Metallica and like Rob Zombie, or, <laughs> or I guess it would have been White Zombie in in the nineties, probably. Yeah. And their and their friends just like, oh, you like heavy stuff? Here, check this out. And they well, didn't realize like there's too far. <laughs> You gotta you gotta ease those people in. I was curious about like the other stuff they rated, and their account is Mr. and Mrs. Science. <laughs> and the other things they reviewed were like furniture and like kitchen appliances that they bought. So like I don't think this was anywhere on their radar. <laughs> so they're just buying like like assemble at home furniture and somebody's like, you know what you like? Non compass mantis from Burlington, Vermont, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, I have no idea. I want to meet the person who gave it to him. Yeah, maybe they're into cool stuff. Maybe they're in the band. Ooh. <laughs> Dude, I think Jeff's kind of hung up on it. I, I think this was a big moment in his life because I went on YouTube and somebody with an account called Five Seconds Expired uploaded a video for them. So I think maybe this is like, you know, Al Bundy was like hung up on the three touchdowns in one game. I think Jeff's hung up on like the non-compass mantis era of his life, you know. I wonder if that's the same video that I looked up and, like, in the comments was Matt Roy. Like, one of the members of the band was just said, like, <laughs> word. Or something like that. Thanks for posting it, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, like, he writes back, I was in this band, you know that, right? 
Yes, yes I was I too. Was too yeah. <laughs> I went and joined another band that got way more popular. <laughs> Johnny Man was pretty good. Morgan, did you like Johnny Man? We never talk about them. Uh, uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were another, like, right. So, like, in Burlington, Vermont, there was, like, this place, uh, 242 Maine. Yeah. Um, which is like was like an all ages like a volunteer run all ages like uh, punk rock space you know like they did all kinds of stuff like you know like they had movies and all that stuff but like that if you were like if you were in a punk rock or a hardcore band and you were going to play in Burlington you were probably going to play at at that place two four two Maine um, and I think that like some of the Drowning Man guys were like involved with that too. And because I was playing in a band with the guys who did that place called The Space in Worcester, you know, it's like a lot of, they all like sort of knew each other, you know, because it was like, oh, band, you know, like, you know, this DIY hardcore band is on tour. So like, they're going to stop in, at The Space in Worcester. And then, you know, the next day they'll play in Vermont, you know, like <clears throat> at, at The Space. And then, you know, they'll play at like, what it was it was like Studio 158 in Connecticut. I don't know. There was like at that point in time, there was like a, you know, uh, ABC No Rio in New York. It was like a little circuit, you know, like it was like all the all the like volunteer run places or whatever. So those I think some of the Drowning Man guys were involved with that. So that was cool. Was 242 Main, the uh, the DIY spot that Bernie Sanders opened. It is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, he well, he was involved. Yeah, he was involved with like approving funding or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because he was like uh, he was mayor, I think, at the time that 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 you know that that place opened, and like it was you know it's like a volunteer-run community space. Like, where else are you gonna send teenagers, man? Like, shit, good on Bernie Sanders, right? I, th- I think it's like, smart. It's I, yeah. I grew up around here, and there was nothing to do except for get high, and so I was like, okay, I'll play music, and then I'll you know hurt myself it was stupid and so to have something to do i think is really good for kids and now they try to take it it's all like luxury condos now and stores so yeah is that is that stuff still around in like in north carolina or in in arizona like i i know there's like there's a little bit left in massachusetts but like the like in terms of the like volunteer run or like you know like sort of diy you know like punk rock you know like that kind of stuff so North Carolina has, like, Asheville has a lot of, like, volunteer-run, like, grocery stores and stuff like that. Not so much, like, any venues. There is, like, no, even, like, the punk venue is, like, paid employees doing that. Um, And then, I don't think Charlotte had anything like that. I wouldn't be surprised if Wilmington had something, but I don't know that scene very well. The DIY level in North Carolina is, is primarily just, like, dive bars... And house shows. shows um and yeah i mean in house shows and i i think probably occasionally you you have like what we would do where it's just like well there's a coffee shop that has a half foot tall stage and the you know let's book hardcore shows there um yeah which i, I think that comes and goes throughout the state and that's probably the way it is across the country and probably the same in arizona um like when when i was First, starting to play bands, playing bands as a teenager, um, we did have a teen center, a YMCA teen center that had like a stage and a sound system, and they would book local hardcore bands. But that only lasted a couple of years. It just got to be the kids were 
too violent. <laughs> um, would spend most of the time outside smoking. So the I think the board was like, we're not going to approve this anymore. Yeah, that ended. I mean, yeah. in Arizona, in Phoenix, that's how the way that oh, there's there is one spot that I can think of um, that is like a true non-bar DIY space. Um, it's called the Trunk Space, and it's oh connected, yeah, connected to I a church. There. Yeah, if you've played in Phoenix, there's a very large chance you played there. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I played in Phoenix in 1998, and I think I might have played at that place. Yeah, I think, I, I think it has been. I, yeah, it has I been definitely missed. There's, I, yeah, and I definitely like myself and the the guys I was playing with. We were like pretty bad drunks at that point in time. All of us being like you know in our early twenties, and and definitely we played at some place in Phoenix, and then we stayed at some kid's house. It was like, oh yeah, you can stay with me, and it was definitely like I we we, we stayed at his parents' house um, with. Mormon parents' house, so like we definitely smelled like three day old, you know, like multi day long hangovers, you know, like just sweating it out. And woke up, Phoenix. It's super hot, and they were making like vegan pancakes for us. They were very nice people, but it was a little uncomfortable for me. <laughs> All I remember about Phoenix was that I got out of the van to go for a walk, and I remember thinking, "Man, why is the ground so slippery?" And then I realized my shoes were melting. And I was like, huh, this place is not for humans. This is not a human place. <laughs> like, my shoes, why, do your shoes melt? Do you have melty shoes, or do you spend a lot of time indoors? I spend a lot of time indoors. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not walking across the asphalt very often. I, I didn't think, because up here you walk everywhere. There's all these walkie spots, but there, I shouldn't have walked when I was there. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I guess that kind of wraps up our talk on the record. Um, yeah. Um, what should we be looking out for for bedtime magic? You're working on some new stuff, I've heard. I don't know if any of that's ready for uh, public knowledge yet, but uh, what do you all right going on? So we we have a, a split record coming out um, with this band called Greylock that are also from from Mass and Paul, who does uh, Tor Johnson Records or whatever. He's going to put that out. Um, so that'll be out in the next couple months. Um, yeah, those are some pretty cool guys. Uh, Paul's a real good dude. And, and the Greylock guys, they're also a two-piece band. They're also, they have an equal number of amplifiers as us, if not <laughs> maybe more. I think we're still louder, though. But um, that was sort of, we played a couple shows with them. And they, they were like, oh, you guys are with all the, the band with all the amps. We're the other band with all the amps. Like, you know, <laughs> we help each other carry our amps inside because, you know, like we're both two-piece bands. They're real good guys. They're nice. They're 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 nice guys, and and the record should be pretty cool. We like it, and we're gonna record again in February. We're gonna do we're gonna record with Andrew Schneider again, the guy who was in Slughog, and you know he recorded all like the Unsane records and not all of them, but a bunch of them. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Nicholas. What else have we got? I'm looking at Justin's video, and it's frozen with an angry look on his face. He looks absolutely pissed. <laughs> so I'm having trouble. Kind of, I feel like I did something wrong. But uh, uh, well, Yeah, we got that coming up. We've been writing uh, like 10 to 11 new songs to try to work with on that. And we're recording it at the old Fort Apache up here. And uh, one, one thing to mention about the Greylock split is that Coalesce. Remember Coalesce did a split with Get Up Kids, and they each covered one of each other's songs? 
we did that with Greylock, so that was a lot of fun. So we cover one of their songs, and they cover one of ours. I think I lost everybody. Uh, we can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> Your picture's just frozen. Yeah. His picture froze, too. But yeah, that's that's basically where we are. You know, we were we've always been a live band, so not playing live is a bit difficult for us. But I'm sure we'll get back to that at some point. Maybe a regime change, or maybe if everybody wears their fucking masks. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I know. It's they're saying like, what do they say now? It's like the even with like the a vaccine, like <laughs> it's still gonna be like a really long time because to get the people to adhere to it. You guys still there? I yeah, think yeah, I lost everybody. <laughs> can you hear us? Oh, there we go. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, with the anti-vaxxers, that's going to be a fun fucking road down to travel down. So yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. We, we lost Morgan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess you can uh, let them let people know where to get your stuff online, your music, your social medias, all that good stuff. Sure. Uh, so we're on Facebook, but we kind of hate it. Um, we're also on Instagram. Same thing. We're just not a social media savvy bands like we're not the kind of people that like to take pictures of ourselves or anything but we do spend time updating our be- our uh, band camp which is an amazing site if you've never used it it's worth checking out um each make a page for themselves with all their music to stream and you can buy songs and you can often set your own price so we have a uh, bedtime that's the best place to check us out. And that also links to the Facebook and the Instagram. And if anybody just wants to reach out with email, cause it's like 2002 again, real bedtime magic at gmail.com is us. That's basically it. It mostly comes to me. Morgan's not online most of the time, just like right now you got kicked <laughs> off. <laughs> and I guess the last thing we, we usually ask people is, do you have any uh, charities that you like to personally shout out or donate to that you think, uh, you know, I think punk is very much a great uh, way to get out strong messages as far as like the right shit we need to be doing. So like, do you have any that you, you personally like to donate to or? Yes. um, It's actually great that you brought that up. We just put a song on a a local comp called warm up Boston and all the money from it raises uh, capital for them to buy uh, hats, gloves and coats and things and blankets for people that are un- unhoused up here in Boston, in the Boston area. It gets very cold up here. So uh, people can check that out and look for that record. And personally, uh, I am a big supporter of the uh, Boston Area Rape Crisis Center. Um, so if people want to donate to that, that would be amazing. Or if they're not in the Boston area and want to do- donate to something like Rain, the uh, Rape and uh, Incense Network, uh, that would be really great, too. Awesome. I'll include links to all that stuff and then all your, your band stuff as well, too. Yeah, thank you. But uh, thanks a lot for doing the show. This is a really fun conversation. Thanks for having us. And uh, I'll try to do my Morgan voice. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, just let him know that uh, <laughs> we wrapped up as soon as he fell off. So uh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. You guys are a lot of fun. You're, you're very jovial people. You're, you're very insightful, and I appreciate it. So, thanks a lot. Thanks. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. Take care, guys. Bye. Yeah.